to be back with you again this morning. It's been a while since I've been at Ivanrest, but great to be outside on a Sunday morning like this. One step closer to the world we're supposed to serve. Kind of feel like I'm uh, standing in the middle of the Red Sea here. I already got one picture. I think one side's Wolverines and one's Spartans. Is that what I heard? Wherever Randy Vanderluck, that is the, that's the Wolverines. I know that much. I know it's not Hope Calvin. I'd be in a smaller minority. I'm not going to go anywhere political with this one either, by the way. But I did think about Ezekiel 22, where uh, changed my sermon here about God is crying for someone who's willing to stand in the gap. Might be appropriate, but I do understand it's the sun. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? Kind of a forgotten year in some ways. It's caused us to ask questions that we never thought we'd have to answer. Like, what's the basic definition of a church? We're so defined around our Sunday morning gathering and then the things that we add to it, our Sunday school and our youth programs and Bible studies and small groups. And suddenly, much of that was taken away from us. And we actually have conversations in multiple circles where what's this pure essence of a church? What, what is it defined as? So even as a church... Sometimes we, we have to think back, what is the most important, central purpose for our existence? What often begins as simple gets complex over time. So are there any brass players in the, in the crowd? Don't be embarrassed, I'm one. You know, brass players can be working on their trills and their glissandos, but sometimes you just have to go back and work on your embouchure and your breast support, the basic foundation of whatever sound you make. Or baseball players. Sometimes we can get wrapped up in cutoffs and infield shifts, and really what we need to do is learn how to hold the grip on that ball again and how to stand in the batter's box most appropriately. It was Vince Lombardi, 1961, standing in front of his Green Bay Packers at the opening day of training camp, and he stood up, and he held up a football, and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. He started from the basics from the very beginning. And in the church, and in religion in particular, sometimes over time we get so complex, we think back to what the church was like in the book of Acts, to what it has become in Western culture today. It has become from so simple to such a complex organization. So today, I want to bring us back to some of the basics. The Jewish people to whom Jesus is speaking in the passage I'm about to read had 613 laws in their statutes. 613. Very complex. And here we have a question in the text you're about to listen to where a teacher of the law says, but what is the most important one? In Jesus' answer, he brings him back to the basics. So I'd like to spend these next moments we have together. What are the basics of being a disciple of Jesus? What is he asking us really to do foundationally? Now prior to the text I'm going to read here in Mark chapter 12, the Herodians, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees have all asked Jesus questions, all with the motive and intent of trying to trip him up and to trick him. 
He weathered all of those tests. And now to the fourth comes a teacher of the law who does ask really an honest, genuine question. He does really want the answer. And here it is in uh, chapter 12 of Mark, verses 28 through 36, 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, remember there are 613, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any questions. Now on the dashboard of our cars, our vehicles, we, we have a number of gauges that help us keep track of the, the health of our engine. There's a speedometer. There's, a, in many cases, a tachometer. There's a gas gauge. And there are a bunch of lights you hope never to see warning you that something more serious is happening. I want you this morning to look at four gauges on the dashboard of your life. Four of the basic teachings of this text. Just kind of measure where are you as you look at your own dashboard. Particularly, I want to unpack what Jesus says in this verse where we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And let's start with heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with your compassion. Love him with your compassion. It's fair to ask the question, do we love God? Do we love God? If people were to observe us worshiping today, if they were driving by, just stopped and, and looked at any one of us, and they watched us in this time of worship in the presence of God, would they know that we loved our God? Were our children, for those of us who are parents, or grandchildren, for those who are grandparents, would they know, as they watched us worship, as they watched us just live our life, that we are lovers of God? Thankfully, friends, loving God is, just, is not just a matter of the will. God has done something within us who are believers to make that even more possible. I was reading my bicycle magazine recently and came across this story. It occurred on February 21 of 2018. Navy flight surgeon James Mazzuccelli was in a helicopter flying over Camp Pendleton in San Diego when the helicopter crashed. He was brought to the local hospital where he was kept alive on life support system. His parents, meanwhile, in Jacksonville, Florida, received that call that no parent wants to hear. They flew out across the country to get to San Diego 
basically to say their goodbyes and then remove him from what was keeping him alive. Now when James was a teenager, he had already signed up to be an organ donor. So his organs began to be harvested and just across town was Mike Cohen, who at the time was at the top of the heart transplant list. He had, this was his last of 30 days to be at the top. And just so happened that James' heart was a perfect match for Mike. Heart was brought across town and put into the chest of Mike Cohen. Mike recovered from that surgery, and as he was doing so, he began to set a goal. That when the doctors gave him the freedom to do so, he wanted to take his bicycle from the hospital in San Diego where he had received his heart transplant and bike across the country to the burial site of the man who had given him life in Jacksonville, Florida, 1,426 miles. Mike makes that trek. At the end of the story, he's kneeling before the gravestone of James Mazzuccelli, the man who had died and given him his heart. And he's thanking him and honoring him for the life that he was given. A couple of side notes to that story. There's a beautiful picture in that article of James, the deceased, his mother with a stethoscope on the heart and the chest of Mike listening to her son's heart still beating in someone else's life. But also what's curious was that Mike never liked pizza. But after getting James' heart in his body, he suddenly had an appetite for pizza very much like James had. And I guess it's not uncommon for someone who receives a donation organ to take on some of the traits of the one who gave them that heart. Reminds me of Ezekiel chapter 36. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Remember I said loving God with all our heart, with all our compassion is not solely dependent upon our willpower. It's really because Jesus puts a new heart into us. When we give up our heart to him, he replaces it with a heart of flesh. We have been given a new heart, friends. And when we give our hearts to Jesus, he gives us that new heart, and we take on the traits of our donor. If Christ's heart is beating within us, we will be bothered by the same things that bother him. If his heart is beating in us, we will be bothered by injustice by poverty, by suffering. We will have the same sorts of compassion that Jesus had. In Matthew 9, actually I was sitting there, Matthew 9, 37, my, uh, my alarm goes off every day. It says to pray for workers for the harvest. But prior to that, Jesus looked at the crowd and it says he had compassion on them because they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He had compassion on those particularly who did not know him, who did not have that spiritual center healed in their life. If our heart is the heart of Jesus, if we are loving him with that whole heart, we have a love for people who are yet lost and 
spiritually separated from their creator. If we have that heart, like Mike Cohen, we will bow gratefully before the cross and the empty tomb of the one who gave us life by giving us his heart. So what is it that makes you smile? What is it that makes you sob? What is it that makes you pound your fist? Might these be the passions of God that he has placed within your heart? And how can you then act on them? So let me give you an application here. How can we more fully love the Lord with all our heart? It could be as simple as saying, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Maybe that's not part of what you normally say to God. You might say it to other people, but just express that to him. Or Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So living with a bigger heart, a more generous heart, is also a way for us to love God. So here's my question, the first gauge in your dashboard. How is your love of God with your heart, your whole heart? And then he goes on and says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. This one's a little trickier, because what does it mean to love God with your soul? It's not kind of language we normally use. I was really helped by ben, Mark Batterson, who wrote a book called Primal. And he says, when we love God with our soul, it's like loving God with our wonder. I love that, that image. Loving God with your wonder. And wonder is captured in, in beauty. It's captured in mystery and majesty. In Revelations chapter 8, it begins... <laughs> Just, just picture Revelation, by the way. The image we have from Scripture is that uh, the, the Lamb is on the throne and, and around it are all the angels and the saints have gone before us and, and there's just this constant music and praise, right? There's this cacophony of sound always. But in, Rome, in Revelation 8, it begins, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. So what happened? In the middle of all this praise, that seventh seal was open, and everyone there was speechless. No one had a word to say. They were just so filled with wonder and awe. No one could say anything. So wonder is like giving God a standing ovation. It's like giving credit to the one to whom credit is due. A couple of years ago, I was in India, and I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and I, like everybody in the sanctuary, had left our shoes outside before we entered. It reminds me of Moses when he goes to the burning bush, an important character from the Old Testament, a burning bush, and he approaches and God says, take off your sandals for you're on holy ground. There's this moment of, of awe and wonder even here as we, we gather with the Almighty who, who comes to be with us. These are holy moments. This is holy ground that we stand on here this morning. And if we are to worship God with our wonder, then creation is our curriculum. Mark says this about our human body. I quote, Your body is inhaling oxygen, metabolizing energy, maintaining equilibrium, producing hormones, 
repairing tissues, purifying toxins, digesting food, exhaling carbon dioxide, and circulating blood. And as you read, millions of electrical impulses are firing across billions of synaptic pathways, and you don't even give it a second thought. Friends, that's what's happening in our body like every moment of every day, and we don't even know about it. We never even give a conscious thought to it. The wonder of just the human body. Wonder is recognizing the, the awe in a baby's giggle, in the touch of a spouse, or the darting of a hummingbird. Wonder is, how is it that woodpeckers never get concussions? Wonder is, how did that dead, ugly, wrinkled up seed that I put in my garden about three, four weeks ago, coming to life in something that's green and living and will eventually produce for me vegetables to put on my table? How could that be? It looks so hopeless when I put it into the ground. We might look into the night sky. You know, we know the song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I wonder how oh, i wonder what you are staring at the sky in the evening is is good for your wonder and it's good for your soul so application how do we love god more with our soul where and when might you immerse yourself more in creation this week beyond this hour to look at the world with eyes of awe and wonder or, try starting your prayers this week, not with our petitions or our intercessions, but just starting our prayers with adoration. Just complete this sentence, God, you are. And just dwell there for a while. Your, your creator, your sovereign, you're a forgiver, you're gracious. You're generous. Go on and on. We know so much about God from the scriptures that just we could dwell in that moment of adoration for the longest time. Loving the Lord our God with all our soul. So how is your soul gauge looking today? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. And then, love the Lord your God with all your mind. We might be a little bit more alert to what this might mean, but let me just throw a word in here too for us from Batterson. He says, to love the Lord your God with all your mind would be like loving the Lord your God with all your curiosity. Try that one on for size. Loving the Lord your God with your curiosity. So how do we recognize a curious person? They ask questions. They ask a lot of questions. In fact, the text that we're reading here this morning is about a curious man who comes to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? He's a curious person. You know, we're, we're too content to stop learning and to live off of our memory. You know what the average college graduate only reads two books per year? Here's what we're capable of, according to neurologists. They estimate that we have the capacity to learn something new every second, of every minute, of every hour, of every day, for the next 300 million years. This 
size of a softball, three pound brain that we have in our heads as capacity to learn something new every second for the next 300 million years. You know, when we stop learning, we stop loving. What if I had said to my wife after five years, you know, honey, I've learned enough about you. I don't really need to know anything more about you. It's good. Five years is enough. In order to love someone deeply, we have to know them deeply. In order to love God deeply, we have to know God deeply. So again, let's turn to creation since we're sitting there right now. Be curious about creation. What if Adam and Eve had been turned loose in the Garden of Eden and just found a rock to plop down on, never went exploring? What a waste. There is so much to explore. Do you know that there are more than 10 galaxies per person alive today? 10 galaxies for each one of us. And we, are, and we hardly know that much about the Earth, this one planet in one galaxy that we all live on. Be curious about creation. Wonder what kind of tree that is. I wonder what that bird is that's singing up there. Be curious about scripture. If you underline in your Bible, I, I would hope that you also in the columns, in the margins, have a few question marks as well. I don't get that. I don't understand that. And then look for answers. Read a commentary. Ask someone who you trust. The beauty of COVID was that every Sunday I could listen to a different sermon from somebody else. I, I work in church planting, so I can kind of pop around the world and listen to our planters as they preach. And one of my friends, a pastor, uh, on one of those Sunday mornings said this. When the Jesus that you follow agrees with you on everything, you're not following Jesus. When the Jesus that you follow agrees with you on everything, you're not following Jesus. Think about that for a moment. In other words, we can't just listen to Jesus' comforting words. We also have to hear his convicting words. We have to hear his guiding words. So again, application. To love the Lord your God with all your mind. Read something new. Maybe a magazine you've never picked up before about a topic you know virtually nothing about. Meet some new people. It seems to me maybe permissible these days again. Go to new places. Become an expert on trees or birds or wildflowers. Explore a puzzling passage of scripture. Start a book club. Or how about this one? Challenge yourself to ask at least three curiosity questions every day. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. How is that mind gauge on your dashboard? And then fourth, love the Lord your God with all your strength. I think we get this when it's the loving the Lord our God with our energy and our action, with our physical being. James in his first chapter writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. I think God loves the smell of sweat. In the parable of the talents, when Jesus concludes the parable, 
he says, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't say, well thought, well said. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. God's ultimate plan for us is not just a weekly pilgrimage to the pew or the front lawn. And it's not enough just to be theologically sound. We are to love our Lord, our God, with all our strength. Let me challenge even beyond that to do something then that's a bit risky. In other words, that takes faith. Something that's over your head. Something that you couldn't do unless God was doing it with you. You know, someone has said that God never calls us to do something that we're capable of. And I, I found that to be quite true. If he's calling us, it's going to be a little bit over our head. It's going to take faith to make it happen. You know, our, our goal is not just to arrive safely at death. I think back with some remorse to the prayers that I prayed over my children when they were growing up. They were, Lord, they were prayers of, Lord, keep them safe, keep them secure, protect them. I wish instead I had prayed prayers like, Lord, may my children and now my grandchildren experience the adventure of following you. God, may my offspring take leaps of faith. May they fall forward. May they boldly risk for you. May they be resilient. May they surrender their will so that they're in total alignment with yours. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. And an application, maybe it's showing hospitality to someone else today or this week. Preferably someone who isn't already a follower of Jesus. Have them over for dinner, do a barbecue, go to a game. Or maybe this afternoon you can write a letter to a missionary or a long-lost classmate or someone who's in prison or someone who's grieving. When your neighbor leaves for a vacation this summer, just mow their lawn without them asking. Or maybe it's volunteering for disaster relief or a hand-to-hand -hand ministry or with one of the schools here that you already heard about this morning. And start with a yes when your services are requested. So how is your strength gauged? Loving the Lord your God with all your strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. One last comment. To love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean all of each of them all of your heart, not half-heartedly, not part of your soul or your mind or your strength, but complete allegiance, undivided love, all of each, but also all of the above. It isn't, it isn't satisfactory to say, I love the Lord God with all my mind. I know the Bible as well. I can, I can uh, articulate uh, the faith to anybody who, who wants to hear it. I, I had a flat tire in my car one uh, trailer, actually, and I was, I was kind of staring at it, looking at, what am I going to do here? And my young daughter looked over my shoulder, and she said, Daddy, just turn it. I mean, three quarters of it looked really good. 
Why not just turn it and use that side of it instead? And I think sometimes we're content to say, oh, I love the Lord our God in, in these ways, but I get a pass on this one. Love the Lord with all of the above. So let's, let's get back to the basics. And as you survey the gauges of these four love languages of God this morning, which gauge do you need to pay attention to? Don't get overwhelmed. Don't try to do them all. But take one step in one of these directions as you enter a new week. I'm going to pause here for a moment so that you can actually think about that question. Then I'll close in prayer. So I'm going to give you a few seconds just to think, what do I need to work on? Loving God more with my heart, my soul, my mind, or my strength? And what application might I apply to start working in that direction? So here's, here's your few seconds of, of pondering. We encourage you to share whatever that is with someone else as well. Please join me in prayer. God, we can only love you because you first loved us. While we are yet sinners, you died for us. While we were undesirable, while we had this heart of stone, when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you came and put a new heart within us. Lord, it's not satisfactory for us anymore to just go through the motions. In love with you with anything less than our best. Lord, through your calling and convicting spirit that has been alive within our midst here this morning, I pray that each of us may know where it is that we might be able to grow more in our ability to do the very basics of loving you. That's why you put us here on earth, to return that love with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Remind us throughout the week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.